Welcome back to the latest edition of the Northeast Newscast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and I'll be joined this week by a familiar face to those in the Northeast community, former East Patrol Community Interaction Officer Jason Cooley, now serving in the office of the Chief of Police, Rick Smith, under a new title, Community Initiative Officer. Cooley will talk about some of the goals of his position, including a ramp-up to the Community Interaction Officer program, which includes a hope to double the amount of CIOs by January of 2018. In addition to his role serving in the office of the chief, Cooley talks about some issues facing Kansas City as a whole, including homicides, the rise in guns and gun violence since January 2017, when new laws went into effect allowing Missouri residents to carry a firearm without a concealed carry permit, what the department can do to entice more minorities to join the force, how to reach out to youth in the area, why the chief wants to implement social services coordinators throughout the department, and much more. For Northeast residents, this should be an especially interesting episode because we touch about where we're going in the future, the vision of new chief of police Rick Smith, and how partnerships can be the key to curbing violence throughout Kansas City. Here's my conversation with the Kansas City Police Department's new community initiative officer, Jason Cooley. All right, Paul Thompson here, actually sitting alongside Jason Cooley, uh, the new community initiative officer for KCPD. Uh, People in the Northeast probably know you better from your time at East Patrol as a community interaction officer there. How else might they know you? I know that uh, you've got a lot of connections out in this area. Uh, I've been known to make a couple meetings in the area and shake a few hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen you at a bunch of events. Can't see you, any community event along the avenue, uh, up at up at um, City Hall. Up at Actually, I've seen you at the courthouse, Jackson County Courthouse, uh, and I've seen you at the federal courthouse too. Yeah, anything I can do to support the community. Um, it's a it's a partnership. It's a collaboration. And and when the community steps up to, uh, you know, address problems in the community, which includes reporting to the police, and uh, you know, quite honestly, you know, sticking themselves out a little bit to come forward and do that, uh, you know, it it it's a good thing for us to be there. And in my mind, be there hand in hand through the whole process, right. and, and let the. Uh, uh, you know, criminal elements that be know that the the police department is a strong partner of a strong community and any community for that matter. But uh, you know, the Northeast steps up and gets good work done. Well, and I I know for a fact I'm sure people tell you this to your face, but uh, people definitely appreciate that work and definitely have a lot of respect for you down here. So I appreciate you taking time. Actually, we're sitting in your vehicle right now having a conversation. We uh, we talked off the record over coffee, and I thought. We hit on some notes here, and I thought there would be some some interest to sit down with you uh, for the podcast to kind of get a hold on what's next for you. I know a lot of people know about your history, what you've done, your relationship to the Northeast, everything you've done for the department. But looking forward, there's a little bit more mystery about your role, I think, and um, I would believe that a lot of people have a lot of interest in what's happening next. So like I mentioned at the top, your your new title is Community Initiative Officer, working directly under the chief, right? Correct. And can you maybe talk a little bit about what that role entails? How much have you talked about what those goals are for you in that role? Yeah. Um, it, to You know, my role is ultimately to fulfill the chief's vision uh, as far as expansion and enhancement of the community interaction officer program. Um, as a lot of the people in the Northeast, the historic Northeast, know, um, for my last two and a half years at East Patrol, I was working directly for then Major Rick Smith, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we we got a lot of good work to, done together. Uh, 
he continued that uh, good work at Central Patrol Division, so the Northeast is well aware of who he is and, uh, you know, his, his vision, his work ethic, and, uh, you know, stressing the importance on community relations and so forth. So um, probably no surprise to anybody that he's coming in and wanting to double down on efforts, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, you know, in the community interaction officer program. So my role, my job, and I think we're about ready to get interrupted here uh, by a concerned citizen. Indeed, my conversation with Officer Cooley was briefly interrupted by a concerned citizen worried about a clientele at one of the nearby businesses on Independence Avenue. The brief interruption speaks to my point about Cooley's status in the Northeast. Even after moving to the chief's office, he's called to defuse the situation. So it's almost a... Uh... It's almost uncanny. You, you were indeed correct. We were briefly interrupted there to uh, help resolve a dispute. And I guess that kind of speaks to the role of the community interaction officer as a whole anyways, right? I mean, uh, and, and I think one of the things you mentioned was, was how well people know you in the area, uh, your relationship to the Northeast, and lo and behold, uh, somebody recognized that you were still here, popped out to your car, <laughs> and had you resolve an issue uh, inside the establishment that we were just at. So uh, kind of a small world, but it really does speak to the role and the requirements of your job. And I think you were actually getting into that right before we were, not rudely interrupted, but right before uh, you were called into action again. So uh, what exactly is this new role? <laughs> uh, what does it entail? And uh, how did it feel to get back, back into your old... Uh, your old vibe there with the uh, community interaction role. <laughs> well, it, it we're here to serve and protect, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I, I want to first kind of start, uh, you know, kind of the example of the situation we just had to deal with was actually a young lady that's obviously suffering some mental health issues, mm -hmm. um, which is something that we would like to see, you know, strengthened uh, to some degree. But, uh uh, that's also a good opportunity to talk about, in addition to uh, the chief doubling down on the CIO Community Interaction Officer Program, he's also working to get uh, a full-time uh, embed of a social service worker at each division station. Yeah. Um, as that's, you know, that's an individual who could have used a social service coordinator. Could have used a social service coordinator. Now, for this particular issue, the, the coffee shop here is uh, hosting a Bible study, and uh, to support the core mission of what they're trying to accomplish there. We, we didn't want to get too involved with it, but, mm -hmm. you know, let this young lady know that there's a presence there to uh, address misbehavior if it came to that point. I, I think she got the message. It was, um, you know, minimized. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we didn't have to, you know, get too involved, and uh, they could carry on with the, the mission of the Bible study, which is to, to get people in there and, and get them learning. The beautiful thing about what the shop does here is... is uh, it is a service to the community, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, right. No doubt by the work that they do. They they spare headache to the community, and, and us with the police department having to get involved in more things. <laughs> right. So, it could be even worse, right, without yeah. uh, organizations like that who have a community focus and really right. care about their neighbors. Right. Exactly. So, very cool. Well, so, so when you're not going into coffee shops to, des to help resolve situations that are uh, <laughs> uh, a powder keg that's about to pop or something of that nature, uh, well, what uh, what would your typical role be? I know that that's, yeah. what, that's a little bit atypical now yeah. for you to have to yeah, go yeah. in there like that. But um, in terms of how you reach out to the community, how you bring forces together, can you talk about your day-to-day -day a little bit? Yeah. So I, I, I look at myself as kind of a, a support piece uh, for the community interaction officers to come in and help them out as needed. Um, and whatever that might look like, it, it was a uh, 
residence check with uh, the social service coordinator at uh, Central Patrol um, one day. Uh, it was a neighborhood meeting last night uh, with a group of about four residents that are suffering uh, at the hands of violence uh, on their block and a neighborhood leader there and a, a, an owner investor of one of the rental properties on the block and, and it, it was a really good meeting. So it, it could look like any of those things. Uh, it's also kind of coordinating efforts um, for the community interaction officers. Uh, for, for whatever reason, um, there was a spell where the community interaction officer program dissolved and that, that uh, uh, occurred for roughly about eight months. Uh, and this was a program that was around for about three decades. Um, Did and, that hurt progress at the time? Uh, of course. Eight months in the relationship building world is an eternity. Right. That's a very long time. And when you have a program that had been around for three decades and then it ends, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers or anything like that. There was reasons for it. I'm confident. I'm not aware of them. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, eight months in the relationship building world, when you've had a relationship in place for three decades, that, that's an eternity and that's a hit. Right. And, and we've got some work to do to catch that back up. Um, and that kind of speaks to this, you, you've used this term double down a couple of times. That's not just figurative, though. I mean, that's actually literal. What you told me when we were talking off the record is that right now there are six CIOs. That would be one at every patrol division? Correct. And you're looking to get to 12 by January? The chief is, yes. Uh, that's his goal is to get six more community interaction officers uh, assigned at each division station. That's two per division station, one on days, one on PMs. Um, and, and when I said doubling down, it truly is. The chief realizes the importance of that partnership with the community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people say that actions speak louder than words, and, mm -hmm. and look at this chief's actions. I mean, he's doubling down on it. He wants to enhance, uh, expand, and, and double efforts in that regard. And you think about the hat that the CIO wears, it's everything from trust building, relationship building, bridge building, to crime prevention, to providing security assessments, to providing block watch training. Um, the overall idea is to expand the support to the community and help them all, uh, try to get them all on a level playing field as far as a, a individual neighborhood uh, aspect. Um, and, and I didn't mention this in our coffee discussion, but you know one of the partners that we are working with is the Center for Neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that's a great program uh, um, through UMKC that's designed to uh, do just that, strengthen and empower neighborhoods, help them, uh, help them achieve their 501c3 status, right. um, help them update their bylaws, or they may have to draft them right from the very beginning if it's a neighborhood just getting up and going. That, right. that happens from time to time. Or an association had fallen apart over the years and now they're trying to bring it back. That's right. That happens as well. So, right. yeah, it's fluid. Right. And you, the, you mentioned those eight months where there wasn't a community interaction officer. Uh, for better or worse, I mean, I, I talked to a lot of neighborhood leaders during that spell, and I know that they felt like it was something of an affront. I mean, they felt like, well, we're losing somebody that we built this trust in. You know, we've got this relationship. And like you said, relationship building, it takes both sides. And if something does happen, these neighborhood leaders need to know that they have somebody that they can lean on. And I think it's just that comfort level, too. I mean, they, well, could, they could call any officer, but they want to call the person. I mean, I won't get into the specifics, but, yeah. I mean, I, I called you this week for an issue that I would prefer to have talked to some, you know, I wanted to talk to you about because I know you and trust you. 
Right. Uh, and obviously, the details are irrelevant in this situation, but uh, that's not even your role anymore. And knowing knowing who you are and having a relationship with you and having that level of trust led me to call you right. on your off day. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> no worries at all. Uh, you know, we make the time to help out partners, right? Um, and, and the community needs to know that... Uh, they can obviously trust their entire police department. I, I think the strategic piece of the CIO position is that there's more time uh, able to be spent in the relationship uh, portion. Unfortunately, with staffing levels in the field that they are, it is extremely difficult for those officers to take the extra time to, to, to build the actual relationship. But, you know, the chief's working on that. We're, we're well aware of it. and. Uh, you know that that's going to be addressed over time, mm -hmm. but uh, he, he obviously does realize the importance of uh, uh, community and, and relationships in the community and strong communities. And that doubling down of the CIOs, uh, that is in addition to what he's trying to do with the social services coordinators, um, and that is the position that he started over at uh, Central Patrol with Gina English. Correct. And that was something that he's gotten he's gotten some good press for, and I think rightfully so because I've seen her in action, and, and I know you have too, actually, even this week. What is it about that role, and, and her in particular, that can help every patrol division? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost is perception by the community. Now, that's one role of the community interaction officer traditionally is to build those relationships and, and show the community that, uh, you know, this, this is the help side. We're, we're spending the extra time. Uh, we're pointing people to resources and doing, you know, what we do to, to help and serve, looking for root causes to, to deep-rooted problems and, and trying to free up resources on our side, but also give relief to the, the, the blocks in our communities, right? The... the um, the ability for a social service worker, as evidence with Miss Gina English over the course of the last year in Central Patrol, is it's an even softer approach. And we, we talked a little bit about the soft approach in, in over coffee. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be quite honest, I, I borrowed what I did at East Patrol. Th those community members in the Northeast that uh, I have worked with, you, you of course know mm -hmm. that I was not in a blue uniform. I was in uh, khaki pants, a blue polo, and you know a softer approach, which right. you know it is a better thing. But the social service coordinator would would be an even better uh, more soft approach and, and we kind of use the example uh, kind of worst case scenario we have to come into a house and, and effect an arrest on an individual that's committed a heinous crime you know that could leave mom or dad and kids at home without the breadwinner in the home well traditionally we would come in and make the rest and then we would step out and we would be gone we right. would never have another interaction with that family again which automatically in that family's eyes makes us the enemy but with the social service you know, worker at the station on the backside, that person can come in and try to help that family and give them the resources they need uh, to, to help provide stability. Right. Um, you I'm, know, so. I'm glad you brought that point up because that anecdote was something I was going to ask you about on the record, that, that extra element that you can offer after the arrest is made to help a family become whole again or to help them kind of infill there where maybe a loss of income uh, loss of role models, things like that, uh, create a sort of vacuum. And that's if right. it's not being filled, it'll it'll be filled by something else, you know. That's and, right. And often it can be something that's not a positive influence. So, uh, it, it is nice to hear you say that. Yeah. Um, and I think another thing you mentioned is that you believe that there's a, an expanded role to be played by the police athletically, uh, something to provide more of that leadership, more of that guidance on weekends, nights. Mm -hmm 
times when youth can go out and, and cause trouble in the city if they don't have positive role models and positive influences. Yeah, there's there's definitely a need, and you hear it all the time from the community. Is uh, you know, kids don't have a place to go uh, on Fridays and Saturday nights. They have nothing to do, and uh, you know, we we got to start thinking about some outside box ways to to approach and deal with that. Um, you know, staffing's going to probably be the first discussion that's being had, but mm -hmm. it's something I know the chief wants to look at and has interest in uh, trying to see what we can do about having programming available through the Police Athletic League for Friday and Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. um, that's something we would like to see happen to, to better serve the communities. That way kids, you know, they, they've got something to do, and we all know if kids don't have something to do, teenagers, they're going to find something to do, and mm -hmm. we don't really know what that's going to be or where it's going to be. So. That, that's one thing we would like to do, and, and in the process of doing that, we would also like to reach out to other partners uh, to see if others uh, in that uh, uh, youth uh, provision realm uh, can maybe step up and duplicate as well. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's start serving the kids. Let's start giving them something positive to do and use those opportunities, those touches, those contacts with the kids to maybe give them access to some good life skills and things that maybe or maybe not they're not getting at home. Right. Um, you know, so it's, a, it's an opportunity to have a positive impact. Well, in all of these things, this is something else that we brought up, but, you know, when you have that, that social services component following an arrest of a breadwinner in a family, when you have something for kids to do or role models in the Police Athletic League where they can play or, you know, participate in sports with and, and get a chance to know on a personal level, then maybe that friction that that might have developed over time between the community and police or a lack of trust if if you've only had negative interactions with them you know when your only interaction with police is to have them take away your father or your mother right. um over time that ice can kind of melt a little bit and one of the things that we talked about was maybe that can lead to more people growing up and saying you know what that person was a positive influence in my life and i'd like to follow in those footsteps that's right um what kind of role can these, I guess, this increased interest and effort related to social services have on a community's willingness and interest in becoming police officers and, and increasing the force and having a more diverse force. Oh, it's huge. Uh, I, I call it positive ripple effects. There, there's not really any end to the positive ripple effects that expand out from doing something that's right. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, you know, it's, it's helping people, it's serving people, which back in the day, you know, uh, you know, the common theme for law enforcement was, you know, protect and serve or serve and protect. Right. You know, nothing's changed with that. We, we need to do a better job of getting out to uh, the folks and through programs like this, uh, you know, the work that we are doing, the thoughts that are being had and the efforts that are being made uh, so people realize what we are trying to do and, and tr also try to get more people on board. Police department cannot do it all. Uh, you know, but we're we're going to do as much as we can, and we just need partners to step on board. Now, uh, in regards to the minority uh, hiring uh, um, possibilities, again, positive ripple effects through doing something that's right. On the tail end of that, um, you're you're building relationships, um, and and you're showing individuals. Uh, you know, if 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 kids out there, people out there, um, have a servant's heart and a warrior's mindset. A lot of good things can be done in the police world. Mm -hmm. it, it's the perfect career for them. Uh, you know, first and foremost, we want to we want to serve. You know, we want to help people, and and there's many, many, many opportunities to be able to do that. There's a lot of need out there. Well, and I I guess some of the stuff that we're talking about is something that can be developed over time. But is there any anything that 
you or the chief would like to see. I don't want you to you know, have to put words in his mouth of something that you haven't talked about. But um, has there been discussion about what can be done now? I mean, what can be done this year? What can be done in 2019 to entice more minorities, people of color to go for it? You know, to, yeah. to go into the academy. Uh, what kind of steps are you are you hoping to take on that front? Um, Is it too early to tell? Not not necessarily from the chief standpoint. We've not necessarily talked about this, but in my mind, we need the community to start talking nicer about us. <laughs> it's sure. awful difficult to get kids interested uh, in in a noble career with police when we're we're really being torn up. And I, I have to say. Uh, you know, knock on wood, the Kansas City Police Department, through our good relationships and partnerships and engagement, we've not suffered some of the same issues that have happened elsewhere in the country. Right. So, um, you only you have know. to look to the other side of the state to right. see examples of that. Right. Now, I do know there's there's uh, some discussions being had in regards to this. Um, it is something that's that's high on the priority list. It's not things that I can necessarily talk about right now because it's in its infancy and really early in the discussion. Mm -hmm. But uh, there will be more to come in regards to this and some other topics as well. Um, so we're, we're excited for the direction things are having. We're, we're uh, just excited to be in the position we're in to, to serve and help. I wanted to talk about uh, your perspective on a, a couple of issues that have come up recently. I know during the uh, Board of Police Commissioners meeting, that just would have been yesterday, there was some talk about body-worn cameras, technology, how to keep up, how to fund this stuff moving forward. What do you think the priorities should be on that front, and are the cameras something that you think is palatable in terms of budget? Uh, well, extremely difficult for me to, to speak on that topic because I've not been involved in the discussions. Mm -hmm. um, I have heard uh, the chief speak uh, about the cost, and uh, it's not something that we're opposed to. Mm -hmm. We're all for it, but a lot, of, a lot of people pushing for this don't realize the burden on the taxpayer as it relates to the cost. And it's not necessarily the cost of the camera or the microphone. It's the cost of the data storage. Right. And, uh, you know, down the road, if we ever make the decision to, um, for whatever reason, the provider that we're working with decides they're going to hike the price up 20%, for that data storage, and we decide, well, we're gonna we're gonna move over to another provider. Well, that other provider still has our data stored for however many years. We have mm -hmm. to continue to pay them right. plus whatever the new person we're gonna start working with. So start a cost on it, there. It, yeah. it, it can be kind of kind of tricky. It can be special. Um, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. We're we're not opposed to it. Um, you know, accountability, of course, is never a bad thing. Right. Uh, we want to be held accountable to. Uh, the citizens police department because that's who we are right and there's an element of robbing peter to pay paul with that stuff i mean if people follow the city budget process closely they realize that i think it's what 76 percent of the city budget as it is now is for public safety so if you want body cameras then either you're pulling from some other element of public safety or you're raising that figure up to 80 percent 78 percent are people okay with that than knowing that some other services will have to be peeled back if you're if you're going to go for that step. So yeah. it all has to be considered, obviously. All has to be considered, and that's a great education piece and discussion piece, quite honestly, for everybody to have. And then we'll just go from there. Are you, are you willing to, do you want body cameras enough that you're willing to support a tax increase to pay for it? Oh. Or something of that nature? I mean, I know nobody ever likes that, right? <laughs> the police department does not delve into that realm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's probably smart, honestly. Uh, the other thing we talked uh, we talked a little bit about uh, over coffee was, as of January 1st, 2017, in Kansas City, Missouri proper, 
there's no requirement to have a concealed carry permit in order to carry a firearm within the city limits. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot is made in the press, and I think maybe officers might say that maybe too much is made in the press, over a homicide number, which is is alarmingly high, but it isn't the only indicator for, for how much a success a department is having. But that being said, it's, it's one of the main ones that a lot of people look at. Have you seen, I mean, what is your experience? What are your thoughts on that rule that that allows carry without a permit? And what kind of effect has that had on the population of Kansas City? Well, again, that's a difficult one for the, the police department to chime in on as it relates to, you know, the political side of it. And, um, and that's you know, out the, of your hands. Literally, yes, that's out of your hands. Yes. I mean, ultimately, our job, our purview is to enforce the laws that are on the books. Um, so that that's a difficult one. Um, I know one of the topics that's been brought up has been... Uh, and everybody probably knows the issues and problems that are happening in Westport and, mm -hmm. you know, discussions being had about possible privatization and that type of stuff. And, and to use the chief's words, um, you know, the, from the privatization argument is, you know, we know what the problems are. Um, we know, well, for example, like we discussed here about three or four weeks ago, every car that we, we stopped had a gun in it. And as right. the law stands right now, there's nothing we can do about that. Right. So we know there's a ton of guns in Westport right now, and we know there's a lot of problems and issues down there. And uh, one of the things on the drawing board is possibly uh, the privatization piece. And, and again, to use the chief's words, it, you know, why not try it? Right. You know, and if it doesn't work, it's a piece of paper. We can tear it up and, and go back to the drawing board and try something different. We're not carving it into granite anymore, right? It's something right. that can be uh, amended and uh, adjusted as you go through the process when you find that, well, this element of it isn't working. Let's Correct. try something different. Correct. Um, and that is a, an alarming uh, uh, an alarming note that you just said about every car you stopped in Westport a few weeks ago had a gun in it. I mean, if if everybody has a gun and, and it's all legal, then there's not really much you can do, really. I mean, right. you have to wait until after an incident happens, and by then, of course, you know, it's too late. Something bad could have happened. So, right. Um, well, how, how difficult and, and like that? we discussed, I mean, this this is an entertainment district. People are more than likely down there, you know, drinking al alcohol. And, mm -hmm. you know, if they're drinking alcohol and they have access to a gun, whether it's on their person or in their vehicle, right. we all know that's just not a good mix. Well, even if they don't have the gun on them while they're at the drinking establishment, obviously, if, if there's a gun in the vehicle, it's it's within range for them to go grab. Correct. After a night of drinking or a night of partying and... Um, Correct. It must be disconcerting sometimes to be a police officer in that situation. Well, from the standpoint, and, and you know as well, you know, you, you, everybody knows me. I, I have a big prevention hat on. Anything we can do to try to prevent things from happening. And so to that degree, um, you know, you, you see the uh, uh, recipe coming together for disaster there, and it's extremely frustrating when you've got that prevention hat on and you want to prevent people from getting hurt. Um, you know, so, yeah, that, that could be very frustrating. Well, I know that you guys, I mean, the police department is not a political organization. Um, that being said, it, this seems like an issue that maybe shouldn't be political. I mean, do you feel the urge or do you feel the the impetus? I mean, do you do you feel like it's the police department's responsibility to go testify in Jefferson City uh, against against a, a law that allows 
open carry in Kansas City with without training, with yeah. without a license? I mean, yeah. where do you draw that line? We, we don't dive into politics. However, if, if we get invited to come somewhere and testify, we're more than willing to come and share our experience and, and our testimony of what we're witnessing, seeing, and observing. Mm-hmm. Anytime. You know, right. that's, that, that is a part of our job to, to be uh, open and available to talk facts. Right. And as long as you're as long as you're sticking with the facts, then you don't you wouldn't have a problem with going in and uh, just testifying what you're seeing. Exactly, right. Which which does happen. I mean, we we meet routinely. I think it's once a week. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that, but the city, you know, they do a very good job uh, with their public safety uh, committee, and uh, our commanders go testify on a routine basis about issues and stuff that's going on. And mm-hmm. uh, open lines of communication not only happen in open forums like that, but also behind the scenes. Uh, we have a great relationship with the city, and uh, you know we're looking forward to continuing that. And I know your role. Uh, I think you mentioned you have a pretty wide lane uh, during our discussion earlier. Uh, you, you do have a wide lane in your current position right now. It seems uh, it involves some of the elements of your previous jobs, but also some sort of PR stuff, uh, a little bit of communication, outreach with media, things like that. You're, you're sitting here talking to me right now. Um, how is that how much different is that how comfortable in your experience as the chief to kind of taking that role i know that he's had he's been in front of cameras before he's talked to the media before but there is a little bit of extra attention uh, ways that you can communicate that message a little easier now that that he's in that uh, that chief's chair mm-hmm. how have you kind of balanced that and uh, what's what's kind of the goal with the media and and how to kind of change the dialogue on some of this stuff you, you're talking about me personally or the chief? The chief, I guess. Oh, okay. And, and, and within your role, I know you have a role in some of that stuff, too. The, the chief's doing fantastic. He's doing great work. He's out there. He's engaging the community. He's not only doing it by word of mouth and a handshake, but he's he's uh, making multiple uh, community meetings and events um, just last night. Uh, and he's been probably at three different division stations so far. And last night he had a kind of meet and greet up at North Patrol Division mm-hmm. just to meet with the folks. And I want to say they had about 40 people. So he, he's doing the traditional, you know, meet and greet, handshake, how you doing, here's my vision. Uh, but he's also getting out there, uh, you know, he's done interviews with you guys a couple times mm-hmm. uh, and other uh, media outlets and organizations and keeping open lines of communication. Um, so he's he's doing fantastic uh, in that regard. In fact, I... I he puts me to shame. I don't know where he gets his energy level from, but uh, um, he he's very, very passionate, very, very driven, very energetic. He's doing great work. If you could only, I'll, I'll wrap up here shortly. I know you have places to be. If you could only achieve one goal between now and the end of 2017, I know that's uh, almost a Sophie's choice, but what would you want to accomplish? What's your chief goal right now? On a personal level? Yeah. More dialogue, more communication. Um, which kind of goes to the, to the chief's vision of doubling down on the, the community interaction officer position, also working on the uh, bringing in of a social service worker at each division station um, with, with empowerment to mm-hmm. communities um, and with the improved communications and dialogue. That's how we're going to understand each other better. That's how we're going to get more work done together, and that's how we're going to improve the city together. How important is it to have a CIO available at night, too? 
Uh, it's huge. Um, when I had my CIO hat on at East Patrol, I did my best to make as many meetings as possible in the evening time, but that was also time away from my family. Right. So, you know, a, a ton of work went into that, and uh, of course, again, I spent a lot of time here in the historic Northeast. Um, the, the big piece about it is now there's a full-time body there. Right. So the evening meetings that are taking place, for instance, the, this officer is going to be more available, mm -hmm. more accessible. Um, and you know that that help side is going to be drastically improved. So I I, I know uh, for fact that uh, the the citizens are going to be very happy um, as time moves forward and you know um, we start hitting our our rhythm and our you know our stride right. uh, with all of this. So um, it'll be a good thing. Well, speaking of being accessible. Uh You've been pretty inaccessible now for about an hour and a half because I've been taking up all your time. So why don't we leave it at that? But uh, I just want to thank you. I appreciate you being uh, willing to sit down and talk with me and have some conversations both on the record and off. And yep. uh, looking forward for our readers and our listeners to get a chance to kind of hear a little bit from from you about where you're going, what the vision is, and uh, how you'd like to see the department move forward. Absolutely. So thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Anytime. And that will do it for another edition of the Northeast Newscast. Thank you for listening to this episode, and thank you to Officer Jason Cooley of the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department for sitting with us. This is your host, Paul Thompson, signing out. Have a good one.